Bears with us this morning. I'm back. Good morning. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. We're going to get there in a little bit. But uh, I, uh, I've been encouraged by other people to, uh, when I have opportunity to preach, to uh, share a song. And so uh, I, uh, I have a, an old song I'd like to share with you because I'm an old man. And I don't know any new songs, but I love this one. And uh, just listen to it and enjoy the words, the power of the song, and prepare your hearts to uh, receive what God has for you, because I, I sense that there are going to be a lot of people that are going to be able to leave here today satisfied by the Holy Spirit. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy.
hitting a golf ball 300 yards. But anyway, <laughs> it's really close. Well, I'm exhausted, but uh, <laughs> God has God has just been dealing with me personally on a subject that I want to sh- speak to you about today. So I'm kind of preaching to myself. So I'm just going to let you listen in. It's called dissatisfaction. How many of you have ever been dissatisfied with anything? If you don't raise your hand, you're lying, and you should be dissatisfied with that. But dissatisfaction comes from feeling that we deserve something, feeling that we need to, we should be receiving maybe something more than we have, or that we've, we've been dealt something unfairly. But dissatisfaction is just an attitude that all of us deal with. It causes road rage, it causes people to quit jobs, it causes people to leave churches, it causes hundreds of pastors to leave their churches every month across America. It's unbelievable. But they're dissatisfied. And there's there's an antidote to that, there's a way to get around that, there's a way to fix that. And uh, the Lord has laid that on my heart, and, uh, and I'm beginning to understand it. And uh, it's interesting because uh, uh, about two weeks ago, this coming Monday, two weeks ago, um, I had, we'd helped Jean Ann load her truck and so on the week before, and I'd, we were carrying some drywall and things, doing some projects around the church. And I, uh, on Monday morning, I, uh, I was helping Amber and Fuso, who does the cleaning in the church, I thought you know, I'd give her uh, help with a little bit of mopping, so I was doing some mopping. And I went into my office after that, and I sat down. I was working at my computer, in there for a couple of hours. And, and when I stood up, it's like someone had taken a taser and tased the bottom of my back, right here in the small of my back. And it was like a muscle spasm, and it just would not go away. I mean, I just, in fact, I immediately, or shortly thereafter, I went to the chiropractor and he started all his fun and excitement, which made it no better. Um, and then, I, and then I, was, I was just, I was very dissatisfied with that particular pain issue. And that just went on and on and on. And I'm still dealing with it a little bit. That's why I was sitting down during worship. I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I just trying to save my back. Because you get to sit now. I have to stand up. But anyway, I, I, going through the midst of this, you know, how, how many of you have ever prayed that would heal you of a pain? Like, you know, deliver me of this child, get rid of this man, you know, some, I mean, something, you know, some pain of some sort. But all of us have done that. Because pain is, is God's way of letting us know that something is not right. So dissatisfaction is not always a bad thing. Sometimes it can be a good thing. But I want to take you to the story of this, this precious woman in Mark chapter 5 who has who spent 12 years, you know, I've struggled with this thing for a couple of weeks. This woman lived with this issue, the issue of blood and, this, and all that it brought into her life, 12 years. Let's look at what Mark has to say. Looking at verse uh, 25. 
Just prior to that, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. So there was a lot of people around Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him to the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? And the disciples, being the sharp guys they are, said, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and you ask, who touched me? Hello, Jesus, hello. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Who'd done it? Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is a tiny little snapshot in the life of Jesus. He is actually on his way to heal a young daughter of Jairus, one of the synagogue rulers, who had come to him and said, my daughter's very sick, could you come and help her? And so Jesus is working his way through the crowd. I can almost imagine, it's almost like being at Taste of Chicago. You know, you're just like crushed. There's hundreds and thousands of people everywhere. And Jesus is working his way through the crowd. And this woman has heard about him. And she decides that she's going to do whatever it takes just to touch him. She doesn't need an audience with him. She doesn't want to set up an appointment with him. She doesn't want to spend two hours talking to him and all of that. She just wants to touch him. If I could, and I don't even want to touch him. I just, just, just his coat. If I could just get his coat, that's all I need. That is tremendous amount of faith. Why, would this, why was this woman necessarily dissatisfied? She had every reason to be. Number one, she was dissatisfied physically. She had been physically sick for 12 years. Gone to doctors and, and everything. And when you are physically ailing, when something hurts, it takes all of the attention of, of your life, really. You, ha- you adjust your schedule. You can't do what you want to do. Because now you have to adjust everything. And some of you have gone through serious, serious sicknesses. Jim's a walking miracle. The way God touched him. Rex, another miracle. Candace, miracle. Cancer survivors, kidney failure survivors. When that hits you, you are now physically dissatisfied, and rightly so. You should be. I'm not satisfied. God, I want to be better. I want to get better. I don't want this hindrance in my life. I want to be better. Let me tell you something about healing. As I thought about this, you know, today and in the past several days, I realized God has four methods that he can use to heal you. God can heal you naturally. Your physical body has been created in such a way that it can heal itself. You know, if you cut yourself, 
your body will begin the process of clotting that blood and beginning the healing process and knit that skin back together again. Correct? Unless there's something wrong with you, but it'll, it will naturally heal itself. And uh, it will do things to your body, some of your nurses and so on, and, and understand how the body works. It's an amazing, it's an amazing mechanism. It's an amazing creation. It has the ability to heal itself. It has the ability to identify a virus or a bacteria that comes into the body and, and the body says, whoa, don't want this. So it'll, work it, it'll figure out a way to get it out of you. And it'll go out through a variety of different passageways that we have. And I'm not going to get into that. And if you need help in those, that area, call your doctor. So the body has a way to naturally heal itself. Okay, so God can use natural means. God can also use medical means. I get so tired of people that say, well, if you had faith, you wouldn't have to go to the doctor. I'm going to the doctor no matter what. It's not about faith, it's about intelligence. Because, there, because you know, who do you think gives doctors the ability to do anything? God. The devil does not have control of our medical system in the world. He doesn't want you well, he wants you dead. God uses medical doctors to minister to people and their needs. He's given them the ability to understand how the body functions. There are certain chemicals that if I put them into my body, they will help solve problems. Right now I'm taking an anti-inflammatory medicine of some sort. Works like a charm. I'm going to buy a whole box of this stuff. <laughs> it, has, it has taken away the muscle spasm. It has reduced and shrunk that disc that was swollen. And now I have movement and I'm feeling better. And golf season's coming. Thank you, Jesus. And so I, it works. I could just lay at home, lay on the floor. Oh, God, dear God, help me. Call the doctor. God, help me. Call the doctor. God help me. I mean, I could have that conversation and go on for weeks. For what? That's just ridiculous. You have a headache? Take an aspirin or an ibuprofen. It'll open up your blood vessels, get more blood flow to your brain, and the headache will go away. Why be silly about it? Use medicine because God, God's the one that brought it to pass. You know, the devil wasn't there at the medical schools teaching these guys how to do this. It's God ordained that any of this stuff works. You know, what can, what can doctors actually do? They can either give you something to put in you or they can take something out of you. That's it. That's all they can do. They can't heal you. But they can assist God in the healing process to help your body naturally take care of itself. Okay? Medically. Number three, God can heal you supernaturally. He did that with this woman. There was a supernatural healing because medicine wasn't going to work and nature wasn't going to work. It had to be a supernatural intervention by God to instantly heal you. How many of you have had that happen to you? You know you were supernaturally touched by God because the doctor said, I don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. My father was miraculously healed from a horrible construction accident. Miraculously healed. Doctor said, we, I, we can't do anything. If he lives, he'll be a vegetable. We lived another almost 40 years after that accident, never having had a headache. 
No side effects of any kind. That's a miracle. And God has the sovereign will and, and he has the sovereign capabilities to make those kinds of decisions when it comes to healing. He can supernaturally heal you. The fourth way God can heal you is permanently. He'll just take you to heaven. Hello? Death is permanent healing. You will never be sick again. Don't be afraid of dying. Be afraid of not living. Death is not a big deal. You just walk through a door and into heaven. Don Piper said it. You just, boom, you're at the gates. You know, you don't have to crawl through, you know, 500 miles of desert sand to get to heaven. You're just there. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul said it. So you see, God heal you permanently by simply ushering you into the, into the courts of heaven. And some people he does that with. And I don't understand how that system works, why it is that some, some babies end up going to heaven early and some teenagers and some elderly people just kind of hang on. And I don't understand all of that. I don't need to. I just know that God's got four ways that he can pick. And we need to let him make those decisions. Amen? We need to let him decide. So he, mir he miraculously heals this woman. Number two, she was financially poor. Her financial life was dissatisfying. She had spent all she had to try to get this issue corrected. So financially she was out of it. And again, how many of you are dissatisfied with your financial setup? Some of you are millionaires. That's awesome. You're just so rich, you don't need any more money. That's wonderful. You're better off than J.D. Rockefeller. Rockefeller was asked, how much money is enough? He said, just a little bit more. But see, money is, is, an, is an issue in our lives for all of us. And the question, you know, how much is enough? If you've got 20 bucks in your wallet right now, you are richer than half the world. Hello? And we're 20 bucks, that's nothing. But you see, we allow finance to become such a part of our lives, and we become so dissatisfied with, oh, if I just had more money, if we just had more money, if I just had more money, then I could tithe. If I just had more money. I found out that if I tithe, I get more money. That's amazing how that works. Financially dissatisfied. And then she was relationally dissatisfied because she was an outcast. In that culture, a woman with an issue of blood was considered unclean and not to be, not to be touched for any reason. Don't go near her. Have nothing to do with her. So she was an outcast relationally. Her, her relational life was obviously all equally dissatisfying. So she had all these reasons to be totally dissatisfied. And then she found the secret, spelled J-E-S-U-S, -S, Jesus. Now, how did, she, how did this work? First of all, instead of being bitter, she realized that if I get to Jesus, I'll be better. See, how many people spend their, almost their entire lives bitter? Missed opportunities, why did this happen to me, and so on and so forth. 
You see, people that grow bitter are always asked this question, why? Why does that creep over there make so much money and I don't make nothing? Why is that person never sick and he doesn't even go to church and I'm seeming like I'm sick all the time? Why, why, why? We ask these questions, why? And we're looking for some kind of explanation. And if I explained it to you, would that change the circumstance? Nope. Not at all. Not at all. Because you see, when I'm dissatisfied, I need to find out how I can become better and not let it make me bitter. Bitter doesn't do anything. It does absolutely nothing. So she realized, if I get to Jesus, I'll be better. But to get to Jesus, she had to do something. She had to take on boldness. You have to get bold. You have to get up from where you are and get to where you need to be. I'm going to say that one more. That, that was pretty good. You need to move from where you are to where you need to be. You see, dis distancing yourself from the fellowship of other Christians will not make you a stronger Christian. Right? I have to decide, where is it? Where is the answer? You know, I could have just, I could have laid in my, I could have sat in my chair in my office and just cried and wept because my back hurt. Or I could have got up and gone to where I needed to go to see if the chiropractor could help me. Those are my options. Well, I, you know, struggled myself into my car and, you know, ouch, 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 all the way over there. But, and there was some relief. I found some relief. Then I went to another doctor who got me some medicine and more relief. You've got to get where you need to be to get what you want to have. You have to move. You can't just sit there and wish and hope. Sometimes we have to get up and move to where it is that we have to get to. Because you see, it, the Bible tells me that she, it says she heard about Jesus. That wasn't going to be enough. She had to move through this crowd to be able to get to where he was. This, try to imagine this picture. She is working her way through this crowd. Struggling, pushing, fighting, doing everything she can just to get, just to get to his coat. That's all I need. That's all I want. She was after 12 years of this kind of an ailment, her hemoglobin must have been ridiculously low. It's amazing she's even alive. But she found her way through that crowd, and she reached out and got a hold of Jesus' cloak. When that happened, all of heaven got involved. Her faith grabbed that piece of garment and the power of God, I get goosebumps thinking about this, the power of God began to flow out of Jesus into her hand, into her being, 
Every cell was now electrified by the power of God. Disease said, what is this? We got to get out of here. Boom! Instantly this woman is healed. Can you try to imagine that? And she feels this power. How many of you have ever been hit by the Holy Spirit? You know what I'm talking about? You've ever felt? Yeah, it's like being tased. Right? You literally, your body cannot handle that kind of glory. It just can't. So she touched his garment and felt this power surge come through her. She knew something just happened. And I believe that Jesus sensed this movement of power from him. And then he got excited. And he goes, someone touched me. And the disciples' answer to that problem was, Jesus, pick somebody. <laughs> isn't, that, though, isn't it interesting, though, that a lot of people touched Jesus, but only one woman touched Jesus. When you come to church, as you, as you gather, I want you to begin to think about why you came. Did you come just to put in some time? To be able to, you know, punch your clock and make sure that, you know, the angels that are up there taking attendance, going, let's, oh, Pat Golden's in church again. Well, praise God, that's awesome. There's Rose, Rose is with her, that's good, that's good. Let's see, who else is there? Yeah, like, and then they'll be able to turn in your attendance card so that when you die someday and say before God, God says, all right, hang on, I need the attendance book. Let's see, let's see. Oh, we got you. Oh, you missed. There's a few Sundays you missed there. What was going on there? Well, God, you know, is busy. and I see. Well, just have a seat. We'll get back to you in a minute. Uh, I'm not here to put in attendance. If I can't walk into church, as, as Pastor Merrill said, if I can't come to church and sense the very awesome presence of God, what's the point? Amen? Touching Jesus is all that matters. Let he, and, he, and he, trust me, the Spirit of God moves through this place all the time. The minute you walk in the doors, the presence of God has taken up residence and his Spirit is moving. Now you can sit there and let him move past you or you can reach out and grab a hold of him. And he gets real excited when you reach out and say... I need, I need something special today, Holy Spirit. I need something special. And then it'll begin to flow into your life. But it's going to take boldness. You've got to come with a plan. You've got to come with a purpose. Come with that sense that if God will touch me, then I can touch someone else. And that's what it's all about. What did Jesus say? When you do it to the least of these... You've done it to me. When you start taking care of someone else, you will be satisfied because you will have done it as unto the Lord. So she took action. The last thing I want to, want to talk about and want to share with you in relation to this is that 
This woman could have very easily been a great complainer. Right? Now, I'm sure very hand, only a handful of people in the church here ever complain about anything. All right, how many complained about anything? You see, I learned something in seminary. How to complain about the church. We had so much information about what the church ought to be doing and should be doing and needs to be doing. And so by the time I went to church, I'm thinking, this is awful. <laughs> this church is terrible. We need to do this, we need that, we need this, and it's like, what did that accomplish? Not one thing. Yeah, there's an old song. People sing it this way. Whine and complain, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to whine and complain. Because that seems how we, we function that way. I mean, I, I should almost do this for real. All right. Who walked in the doors of the church today and had something to complain about? Here they come. Here come the hands. Hallelujah. It's revival time. Word. Right? Some of you may have, you know, Pastor Merrill's up here going pretty soon. Pastor Daryl's out of town and Pastor Fred will be preaching. Oh, no, not him. Gosh. Or Pastor Daryl's gone again. Man, he's never here. Oh, man. What? I don't even know those songs they're singing. How can we always do songs I don't know? Oh, there's that youth pastor again. He's, he's going to be asking for money. I just, oh, see, there he goes. There, you know, here it comes. That's all he wants is money, money, money. Man. Oh, what time is it anyway? 10 to 11. Man, I sure hope we get out of here soon. What in the world? My question is, if church is so painful, why go? I mean, come on. You know, guess what? Here's a, here's a revelation for you. There will be no complaint department in heaven. No complaint, no. <laughs> yeah, you grab it. Hey, come here a minute. I, you know, I just really have some problems in my mansion, and uh, I need, who do I talk to about that? Um, I have no idea. We don't have a complaint department. That's a little further south. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you take those stairs over there, just down, that's the complaint department. In fact, everybody down there complains 24 hours a day, so it should be no problem. You'll fit right in. But instead of complaining... We have to learn to become a conqueror. Conquerors are not affected by obstacles. Conquerors are never affected by obstacles. This woman, instead of complaining, she could have been wailing, weeping and wailing on the side of the crowd going, oh, I want to see Jesus. I can never see Jesus. How come I can't get to see Jesus? Somebody has to help me. Nobody's going to help me. 
Trust me, Jesus would have walked right by. She would have never known nothing. But instead, she decided to conquer the situation and move herself through that crowd and touch him. That's made, that made the difference. She became a conqueror instead of a complainer. Yeah, complaining is such a waste, and I, I have had to repent and will probably need to do that many times more. But I get, you get caught up in it so easily, right? We just get caught up in it. God, deliver us from complaining and make us conquerors. Help us to conquer what is before us and conquer this whole situation. All right, well, how do I get over satisfaction, dissatisfaction very easily? Number one, faith. There's five, five little things here. Number one is faith. God, it takes faith. I created a little acrostic years ago. It says, freely acting in true humility. That's faith. Faith takes action. You can say, well, I have great faith, but I, won't do, I don't do anything. You don't have faith then. You have an idea, but you don't have faith. Faith moves you to do things. Secondly, this woman had faith. Absolutely, no question. Jesus said it. Your faith has made you whole. You acted on it, you're well. The second thing is humility. Humility. Humble people impress God. Humility touches the heart of God. She didn't make a big scene. She simply very quietly and humbly worked her way through that crowd to get to Jesus' coat and, and grabbed a hold of it and was instantly healed. Humility. You don't need to make a big scene about life. Just be humble. Humbly understand the privilege that you have in knowing Christ. Number three is integrity. She told the truth. Jesus, the whole truth. Learn to tell the truth. Because the truth will set you free. Integrity is one of those things that is so lacking in our world today. It's just, you, who do you believe? You know, who do, we, who do we listen to? But becoming a person of integrity. Speaking the truth in love. Number four, trust. You want to overcome dissatisfaction? Learn to trust God. Just trust him. Don't worry about whether it's going to be enough. Just trust him. If I remember correctly, uh, there were a few people in the Old Testament that ran out of some stuff like oil, and then God came along said, it's not a problem. Well, I don't see all the oil. Don't worry about it. You keep pouring, and it just never runs out. That's incredible. A little boy had a couple of some fish and bread, showed up. Hey, here's my lunch. You can share this. 5,000 plus 12. Even the disciples said, Lord, what is this? Among, this isn't enough. This isn't going to satisfy anybody. Jesus said, hold that thought. Watch. When Jesus touches something, it works. When Jesus touches something, it's always enough. When Jesus touches something, it satisfies. Jesus, touch me. Let me trust you. And then finally... Gratitude. Satisfied people 
live grateful lives, thanking God for everything. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks. It doesn't say for everything. Don't be foolish. You know, if you have a if you have a fender bender, don't jump out of your car. Oh, thank you, Jesus, I get to meet a new friend. No, that's, that's just dumb. That's just weird. I mean, don't be dumb about it. You know, again, thank you, God, that this was not more serious. Thank you, Lord, I have insurance. Thank you, Lord, that, you know, again, there are plenty of things to thank God for, but not, hey, I'm going to meet a new friend. No, that's not, yeah, that is not a way to meet new friends, trust me. So gratitude. Dissatisfaction has to flee when we begin faith. We humble ourselves before God. We speak the truth. We trust God completely. And we thank him in everything. Then we'll be like the woman that touched and was freed from her suffering. Leanne's coming to share an amazing song uh, as she comes. There's this one other little chorus. It's just a short little chorus that I remember from years ago, and it goes like this. Touching Jesus is all that matters. Then my life will never be the same. There is only one way to touch him. Just believe when you call on his name. Stand with me, would you please? Touching Jesus is all that matters. To this woman, it made all the difference in the world. To you, maybe today is your day. Maybe you came in this morning and, and this message has just kind of identified where you are. Pastor Fred, I'm just dissatisfied. I don't feel good. I don't have any money. And I don't have any friends. You need prayer. You need Jesus. You need to know that there's hope. There's hope. And I'd like to pray with you this morning just very quickly. We've got time. As Leanne sings this song, if... if if I said something in the course of this morning that resonated in your heart and in your spirit, I'd like you to, to be bold, to step out from where you are. You won't have a crowd to pass through. But I want you to just come and stand. I may not touch you. I may not speak to you. I may not even come near you. But trust me, Jesus has filled this altar. His presence is here. It's been here since the very first note. He is here today, and he wants to help you leave today with a new sense of hope and a new sense of purpose and to feel what it feels like to be satisfied in Jesus. That's what Jesus wants for you today. And I'm just going to invite you to come as Leanne sings. It's a great song. Enjoy it. If you'd like to come, please come. Like the 